You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Um, it's weird that we have to record a disclaimer before our end of season podcast, but that's how Cardiff City as a football club operates. That's how quickly they can ruin our days, weeks, months, years, if to quote the Friends theme tune by the Rembrandts. But the following podcast was recorded before Cardiff City decided to sack Sabri Lamucci, get rid of Sabri Lamucci. No one really knows what's happened. So we're recording a little bit of a, a, a re, what's the word you call it? A, a prologue to introduce this podcast because... Ben Price, Tom Phillips, um, everything we recorded yesterday is basically redundant, isn't it? Ben, I'll come to you first. Um, Yesterday on the podcast that we recorded that people will listen to next, we talked about silence being good news. Today, they shit all over that, didn't they? Um, Yeah, so spoiler alert, what you'll learn in this uh, podcast is that we're very bad at predictions. (laughs) And I didn't realise just how bad at predicting things we were the, the podcast we recorded, what, 20, less than 24 hours ago, would yeah. be out of date before we put it live. Even in the chat, we're there going, oh, yeah, it can wait till Wednesday. We had a lot on today, a lot, lot with work and stuff, so couldn't get the podcast out. And then Cardiff City dropped that bombshell because they're good like that. They didn't think of the podcasts. They didn't think of the podcasters. They didn't think of the view from the Ninian. Tom, what was your reaction to the news? About midday, it was breaking that um, Labucci wasn't signing a contract and Tan was waving goodbye to him. Yeah, I should have seen it coming, really. Um, I asked for consistency. Uh, I didn't think the consistency would be just my shit predictions continuing. I thought we'd have a manager <laughs> for a little bit longer than we have. But there we go. You know, it's just, we should expect this, really. I, I can't believe we haven't been bit on the ass earlier in the season, really, with stuff like this. You know, considering the amount of, like, sack-ins and stuff we've had. But this is the worst we've had. But we thought we'd have a summer free from Cardiff City drama, and it's lasted about three minutes. Um, again, another spoiler. Ben, on the podcast, you said you were looking forward to not thinking about Cardiff City for a while, turning off notifications. That lasted, what? Less than twelve hours, about thirteen hours, if we're really being accurate with it. Yeah, so we we, we finished recording about ten o'clock, half ten, oh, half ten, half, half tenish. Yeah, so what? Thirteen and a half hours later, Cardiff City just ruined it again. 
it's unreal, isn't it? <laughs> it's just you think you're done, you think it's all over, and just this season is just finished. Because, like I said, spoiler alert, we were all relieved the season was over. And then Cardiff City just go, yeah, but watch this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One football club can say, let's see how we can fuck up somebody summer. And Cardiff City basically said, hold my beer. Um, <laughs> I mean, Tom, where do we go from here? Um, I think we need to decide whether this is added to the bad season we've just had or is this the start of the season we're going to have? I think that's what we need to decide now. Just because the playoff game is still on, right? So we're still fucking up the, still this season. the current yeah. season. There are, there's the positive. We haven't fucked up next season yet. I think that's where we go from there. Still positive vibes. We're just adding to the pile. You know, if we'd waited three weeks and this happened, we'd ruin next season. So, you know, that's the way I'm looking at it. But I mean, ben, five managers in a season, isn't it? If we're counting this now... If, if we hire a new manager, it'll be five managers in a season. Before the playoff final, it'll be five managers in a season, which must be some sort of record. And, and on that point, Ben, who do you want? Who, who, you know, Nathan Jones is obviously being mentioned. I can't see any other names. Who do you want as manager? It's not an attractive list, is it? Um, and I don't think the bookies really know either the fact that um, Russell Martin was fourth favourite at one stage, where Skybet was quite funny. Was he? Um, yeah. He was, yeah. The, he, he was the same odds as Neil Warnock at 10 to 1. Oh my God. Let's do that. That's... That would be fun. So you want Russell Martin? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, okay, yeah. Just, just to watch the world burn. All right, Tom, who do you want? Um, the the rumours are Rossini is not going to stay at Hull, right? So I think Liam Rossini would probably be my choice if I did go ahead. You know, they've got the, they've had their big takeover. They're looking for a bigger name manager and all that. Um, if he becomes free, um, that's I think that's what I target. Well, I'm just going to say Nathan Jones because, I mean, part of me thinks if we want someone who's going to reinstall some sort of pride in Cardiff City, having an actual Cardiff City fan as the manager, who is also, luckily, an absolute fucking lunatic as well, would be a good laugh. Um, I mean, I don't know if our our owners have that sort of nous. Um We'll see. We'll see. Um, so, yeah, the podcast, I mean, a lot of it will stay the same. Ignore the Lamucci chat. You can probably skip over about 10 minutes in the middle where we, we completely get everything wrong um, on that front. But um, <laughs> the rest of the podcast, out. yeah, edit, I might edit it out. Who knows? We'll keep it in. But this is our end of season pod. Again, thank you for listening throughout the season. And we will be back, I don't know, when Cardiff City do their next madness. Tomorrow. Will be next week. Yeah. So see you then. <laughs> Cheers. They may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty But they like to talk about Cardiff City It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny And not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny View from the Ninian is sponsored by TerraceBadger.com Use code VFTN20, that's VFTN20 for 20% off Whenever you spend on TerraceBadger.com Terrace Badger is a local family-run business specializing in sports clothing and accessories, from t-shirts and hoodies to mugs and custom prints. They recently relocated and upgraded all equipment to offer the highest quality products with friendly customer service to boot. Use code VFTN20 for 20% off at terracebadger.com. For the last time this cursed season, it's time for The View from the Ninian with Ben Price, Tom Phillips, and me, Ben James, 
Ben Price, how excited are you that this is the last time we have to talk about the 2022-23 Cardiff City season? Honestly, I'm so glad it's over. <laughs> it's the happiest I've been coming to a podcast for a while, just because it's done. This is it. <laughs> this is it. We draw a line under it now, Tom. Uh, same question to you, really. Um, how happy are you not to have to talk about this season anymore? Yeah, weirdly giddy about it. I've got a yeah, been waiting for this for a couple of hours tonight. And I'm genuinely quite excited, which I didn't think I would be. Well, it's our end. Yeah, I guess it's an end of season pod. Though I don't really know if we want to relive this season because it's been such a fucking. I don't even know. It's just been so long and so bad. We have a game to talk about. We have Burnley to talk about. We ran some award polls on Twitter. We'll go through the results of those. We'll go back and look over the season, and we'll look ahead to next year all in this podcast. But Tom, the only place to start is the Burnley game. And the first question I have for you is, how many times were you called out for not wearing full kit? Uh, much more than I expected. And as soon as I arrived in Burnley, it was <laughs> unreal. As soon as we got to the cricket club, where all the Cardiff fans were congregating, I was asked, oh, not in full kit then? I didn't even grab the pint from the bar. <laughs> Absolutely insane. Yeah. Um, to the man in the Hawaiian shirt, who was with another gaggle of people in a wine shirt. Thank you very much for that. Um, he wasn't. He was called out a second time, not long after Ben, um, when we were walking past the cricket club and all we heard was a kind of distended voice. He went, where's your full kit, Ed? <laughs> um, Tom turned around and we didn't even know who we were talking to um, uh, and uh, I called him out on it. Um, so that was fun. Um, another thing that was fun, Ben, was booing the anthem. Um, obviously, you were watching from home. Did it come across as loud as it did in the stadium? No, they made a point. So the whole time, normally there's a microphone by the away fans. Um, before kickoff, there was no microphone by the away fans. And while the anthem was playing, they made a point of panning round to the crowd, to sort of like a panning shot and close-ups on people, but stopping just as it got to the away end. It was amazing how much effort they went into making sure nothing came across. Because then towards this just before literally seconds before kickoff the microphone appeared in front of the fans as well fantastic that is fantastic um petty like no this didn't happen the anthem was well respected the commentators were like yep yeah well respected anthem (laughs) it wasn't no it wasn't I think my favourite part about it was was that there was obviously the away end at Burnley is to the it's is right it's right as you are behind the goal and there's um, a home end on both sides but the home end on one side there was a guy in the front row who was only animated for the one and a half minutes that the anthem was on the rest of the time he sat like he was in the fucking cinema um, like uh, leaning across the like, advertising audience he stood up he was going patting the badge going come on when the anthem was on like you know hand on heart all that kind of stuff and then didn't say boo to a goose for another 90 minutes. It was the biggest divorce dad energy I've ever seen. Um, so it's that bold man in the front row of the Burnley game. You're a fucking cock. Um, <laughs> um, Tom, I'd like to say we could talk about the game, um, but first 20, 25 minutes, we watched it, and then they scored, we went to the bar. Yeah, that is the least interested I've been in a game, I think, in my life. I think I'm more interested in pre-season games. I was more excited at Swindon than it was once we went one down at Burnley. Because it, it just felt, ah, oh, there we are then. We're never getting back into this. Let's go to the bar. The person at the bar gave up on charging people by the end as well, which was great. It was just like, it, even the home atmosphere, like considering it was a party. It was very quiet. During the game, like, I, I, again, I, they, they had nothing to play for in that game either. It was just a waste of everyone's time, really, wasn't it? It was nice to be there. 
you know, but they were waiting till the end of the game. I don't really know why we were there, but there was lots of us there, not really knowing why we were there. But um, yeah, strange day all round. Um, ben, you probably saw more of the game of us than us then. Did we do anything of note? No, we were terrible. It was really annoying. You <laughs> properly managed to piss me off one last time. I'm on Twitter just going, look, I can't wait for this to be over. We're almost there. I was fucking... There was nothing on that game for it, but I still walked away from that seething. We were God. atrocious. It's like, at times like this, this is what we have to question, right? Ben, you're, you wasted a perfectly good bank holiday Monday to stay and watch the game and tweet about it. And even though it's a dead rubber, you got angry about it. Tom, we travelled 90 quid on trains or 60 quid on trains each, 30 quid on tickets, however much on, on beers and stuff like that, just to watch a dead rubber game. Like, it's at times like this, you have to question why the fuck we're doing this. Stockholm yeah. syndrome, isn't it? Yeah, it's Stockholm yeah. syndrome. <laughs> it's weird, because we, tra- we travelled that far with no intention of actually watching the game. Yeah. It's like it's it's like a weird loyalty. Like why why why? <laughs> Just like, I could have, I could have not watched the game at home and saved money. Yeah, but it's not the same, is it? Yeah, it's just it's, oh, it's a strange concept. People were asking me at work like why I went, and I genuinely didn't have an answer for them. I just kind of laughed, smiled, and walked to make a cup of coffee. Well, because we I've done nothing for them. We met some nice Burnley fans on the way to the game. Yeah, um, those two lads. The cricket club is cheap. I think it was four pints for 12 quid. Um, bargain. And that was it. <laughs> Drank some dragon soup on the way home. Yeah, that was rancid. Yeah, I'm pretty the, sure it gave me... The video me, yeah. of you you sent, Tom, is amazing. Uh, I, I don't remember that. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> it's a long Mate, your eyes were still in Burnley. I don't know how how long ago that train had left the station, but your eyes were still in Burnley. <laughs> I don't really remember much of the. Tra- I don't really remember much of the train home from Leeds. I think we got from Burnley to Leeds, and that bit's vivid. On the way home, I just remember kind of taking some photos of Tom, and that was it. It was one of those really we- like we got weird drunk. Hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> just Tom was Not Tom was trying to- just screaming down the camera, just <laughs> ah, every couple of seconds, just going I thought Tom was going to fight some Sunderland fans. They were being nasty to a Leighton Orient fan. They were being real scumbags in in, uh, what, in Tom's defence. <laughs> to, to, to a lone female Leighton Orient fan, it was horrible. Yeah, I was never going to fight anyone. I was just looking at them with disdain. I'm, I'm, I'm soft. Soft as shit, really. I just wanted and to then, make it clear I was angry but, at them. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't want to send, I want Luton to win in the playoffs because Luton are a lovely club. Then, <laughs> um, is the anger subsided now? Yeah, I'm just not asked now. It's done. I can move on and just sort of put it past me. But like, when a lot of things bugged me from it, you've got Colwell finally got a start, then gets yep. pulled off at half time. And then. <laughs> Yeah, then you bring on Isaac Davis and he gets megs by their goalkeeper and you just go, yeah, it's not that. our day, is it? It's just, like, the lad they bid, what was it, two and a half million for that's considered one of our brightest prospects got absolutely mugged off by their goalkeeper who just did it for a laugh. <laughs> I'm was just, just looking at the stats because I have I have no idea really what happened in the game apart from about 30 minutes that I watched. Apparently we had four shots on target. I don't remember them. I'll Ruben be honest. Cole, no. uh, sorry, Cabba had one. Ruben Colwell had one. 
Oh, I think they came because I got so frustrated with it. I turned it off and watched the um, Coventry game. God, was uh, such good adverts for this football. You, you know, it's bad when I'm willingly like I openly state Coventry is one of the worst places I've ever been to in my life, and I wish bad for everything in that city. And I went, I'm going to watch that instead because that's how bad Cardiff were. <laughs> I was just done. Yeah, it was. Um... It did. It, it was quite obviously. I think the anthem galvanised the fans. So there was a lot of kind of hype and booing at the start, and everyone was really excited. But I think as soon as the goal went in, it just punctured the fans, and everyone just kind of went, "Last well, that then." And you, it, like there were so many fans at halftime who didn't go back out for another sort of fifteen twenty minutes and stayed down there drinking. I think there were people who left early. Like it just. I think a lot of people realised how fucking pointless it was. The <laughs> only thing point. louder than the cheer from the Burnley fans celebrating that first goal was every Cardiff fan turning to each other and asking, "Pint." Yeah, yeah, pint. <laughs> pint. I think I think there's one there's one moment we haven't discussed, and that was Joe Rolls tripping up the Burnley fan, um, which uh, give him a five year contract for that, frankly, because it was the best part of the day um, in terms of what happened on the pitch. Um, it was quite funny. The Burnley fans were two or three of them would run towards the Cardiff fans and be like, "Yeah, come on, come on!" And all the Cardiff fans just went, "Come on in, come in," <laughs> and come on, they would obviously wouldn't. Um, but I just, it's just like the brain deadedness of trying to run it. 2,000 Cardiff fans who really don't give a fuck anymore. It kind of struck me as odd. Uh, but Joe Riles tripped him up. Uh, Tom, was that the best bit for you uh, at the end of the game? It's probably one of the highlights of the season, to be honest with you. It was so funny. Like, it was just the timing. He was running behind him and he just, like, nonchalantly, like, put his leg behind and he just tripped. And it was right in front of us. And the I, I thought it was the perfect way to end a shit season. Yeah. Every, everything was, has been and gone. And then he trips over a fan and suddenly I love the club again. It was absolutely <laughs> bri- it's brilliant captaincy. That's why he's captain. It's little moments like that. It's clever, that is. Very clever. Yeah, that wasn't more even a Burnley fan. That was a paid actor. Christ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the Burnley people, people in Burnley would believe that, wouldn't they? They fucking love a conspiracy theory up there. Um, but yeah, anyway, it is the perfect way to start the season. That yeah, literally every, everything seemed right in that one second with Joe Ross tripping up a knobhead. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly, <laughs> what a club! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anyway, congrats to Burnley. Enjoy your promotion. Um, but sad little life and all that. Um, we could not have to talk about football anymore. We can just talk about vibes and that. Um, so, end of the season. Um, I did a little Twitter poll on Saturday for some view from the Ninian People's Choice Awards. I don't know. I didn't really think about naming it anything. I just put some polls up. Um, player of the season was the first poll. Ben, Tom, do you have any idea who probably won this? Or do you want to have a guess out of the four players I put up there? I'm guessing it's the same person that won it for the club. Tom, would you have any advancements on that? Uh, no, I agree. It was NG with uh, a whopping 54% of the vote. Um, Keeper came second with 20.3%. Cabba 17.8%. Philogene 8% of the vote. Um, so well done, Perry NG. Trophy's not on its way to you because we haven't got one. I um, I'm a doubter. 
I know. I just I forgot he existed, frankly, because he'd been injured and out of the team. So, um, lovely footballer. I'm really sorry, Callum. Um, you've got nice arms. Um, hopefully that will keep yourself safe at night. Um, signing of the season. Um, almost the same four, but we've replaced NG with Robinson. Uh, Tom, who do you think won this one? Carber. Ben? Yeah, it's got to be sorry, Carber, hasn't it? Don't need to apologise, mate. Cabot got 66.8% of the vote uh, winning the signing of the season. Uh, Kipre was second again, 14.1%. So Kipre, always the bridesmaid, uh, never the bride. Is that the last time we're going to hear the sorry joke as well? No, it's going to happen quite a lot. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> uh, manager of the season. We had four. <laughs> so Lamucci, Hudson, Morrison or Whitehead. Um, there's two surprises. Well, I think the winner's obvious, Ben. Who do you think won it? Dean Whitehead, obviously. I mean, no, but uh, Lamucci obviously won it with almost three quarters of the vote on 73%. Who got more of the vote, Hudson or Whitehead? It's going to be Whitehead, isn't it? Yeah, Whitehead got 9.2% to Hudson's 1.7. Whitehead only finished 6% behind Morrison, who did all our summer signings last season and <laughs> started the season with 10 games and was manager the season before. Whitehead was manager for what, two games? And what, two of those were in the cup? We didn't, yeah, I don't think we, we lost both, didn't we? No, we drew with Leeds at home. I oh, drew with Leeds, yeah, and got back on the replay. Yeah. yeah, and he looked scared the whole time. Uh, right, result of the season. Um, this is one of the tighter votes. Um, Watford away 3 1, Rotherham away 2 1, Norwich at home 1 0, Middlesbrough away 3 2. I genuinely couldn't think of any other good results from last season. That's um, all the I wins, think, isn't it? Well, Birmingham, we beat Birmingham at home, um, and, and obviously we beat. Somebody Bristol, else at some point. Bristol City. Yeah, that was the end. Probably one that missed out. But Ben, what do you think won that one? Uh, what was the second one again? Rotherham away 2-1. Yeah, that's that one. You'd be shocked. Watford away 3-1, 46% of the vote. Rotherham away took 37% of the vote. Um, maybe I think the Watford away um, result was maybe slightly shocking. Um, yeah, so that's probably surprise, it. wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, Tom, listen to you. Penalty taker of the season. Uh, Robinson, Cabber, Rolls, literally anybody else. Uh, they were the options. Uh, which which, which one do you think won? Cabba's the only one who scored one, right? Yeah. Uh, Robinson scored one in the cup as well. Oh, right. Okay. But Cabba, surely? No, literally anyone else. Um, oh, yeah. That, Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> that took a whopping almost yeah. 70, 73% of the vote uh, for Did literally anybody else. Didn't think that through. Yeah, fair Roll, enough. Roll, roll second with 14%, Cabba with 9%, Robinson with about 4% of the vote. When I looked, like <laughs> I think like an hour after the polls had gone live, Cabba, the only person that scored a penalty in the league for us, was last. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Short memories, innit? Um, moment of the season, Ben. So, Keeper's goal at Black... Uh, Keeper's goal at Blackpool? Keeper's goal at Rotherham. Us ending Mick McCarthy's reign at Blackpool. Sawyer's goal versus Norwich, or when the season ended. Um, what you what you going for, Ben? On which one won this one? Just when the season ended. I think the fans feel exactly the same as us. Quite comfortably, forty four percent of the vote for when the season ended. Keeper's <laughs> goal at Rotherham got thirty nine percent, so relatively tight. Um, and then, again, yeah. Keeper uh, <laughs> second again, and then finally, Tom. Disappointment of the season. All of it. Morrison, the Swansea games, no, really all of it. Which one do you think won the vote? Oh, you split the all of it vote. So, you know, 
Um, I'll go Swansea games because we've split the all of it vote. Well, no. So first and second were first was no really all of it. Second was all of it. There we go. <laughs> lovely stuff. <laughs> um, combined sixty-eight percent of the vote. Swansea games then were twenty-three point uh, whatever percent, and Morrison got eight percent of the vote. So really, all of it is the winner. Uh, the disappointment of the season. Um, That's mad, isn't it? When you think we conceded in the 99th minute when the nearest rivals to lose four on the trot and it doesn't win the disappointment of the season award. No, um, that's because the rest of the season, I think at that point we were so used to disappointment that it didn't really... It didn't, I mean, it affected you for about half an hour but then everyone was fine about it. It didn't look like we things. <laughs> um, it was a bit longer than half an hour for me. Yeah, I'm not sure about that, mate. Um, ben, any surprises in that vote for you? Yeah, Val's finishing second in the penalty taking. <laughs> he's taken he he a penalty taken? against. Has he, he missed, missed one, a penalty? I'll Google it. I can't remember. This season's so long. Honestly, like the Robinson no look penalty feels about six years. Honestly, I think Michael Chopra played for sooner than Robertson missed that penalty as was. That's how long <laughs> this year has felt. It just feels like this season was about four. Oh, did he miss a penalty at Sunderland away? Yes. Yes. Not right. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Just found it. Joe Rolls missed an early penalty for Cardiff. It feels like this season. I mean, we can look back at our predictions and stuff like that. But it feels like this season, frankly, has been about four four seasons in one. And that's because we've had four different managers at different times. But we had the summer and the excitement of Morrison that then gave away to the disappointment of Hudson, and then the middle bit felt very lucid with like Whitehead in for a little bit and then Lubucci coming in felt like, you know, the, the start of something. But I've never really known a season like it, Tom. Have you? Yeah. No, and I think with the World Cup as well, like smack that bang. Of it. Christ. I, I forget it, that it, happened. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think that's the thing, like that already breaks it into two and then like so much has gone on at the club. And then you know about like disappointments in the season, you had like the Collins injury early on and things like that. And from then on, really, it went downhill. And yeah. it has felt, that feels like an absolute age ago, but it has been a ridiculously long season and very little good has happened. Yeah. But yeah, like I struggle. I, I had to go back through some of the fixtures to remember how some of them went. I wish yeah. I hadn't done that because nearly all of them were bad. But like, I'm, like it's been such a drag. Um, ben, do you want to go through our predictions and tell us where we went so badly wrong? Yeah, I please don't. So obviously at the start of the season, and we'll, we'll talk about our excitement after we go through predictions, last summer felt very exciting. I think all Cardiff fans were caught up in the hype of what was happening last summer. We hired Morrison, who was implementing this plan where it was kind of reforming the whole team and we were getting rid of a lot of the high earners and bringing in this new young squad. You know, We had a, a set amount we were paying players each week. We had a um, an upper age limit on the squad. All the players were highly thought of you know we signed people like Rinna Motta from Reading who was who they were gutted to leave Sawyers had done well at Stoke he came with a lot of championship pedigree and we put together this squad under an exciting new manager that we all thought was you know it's going to be a work in progress but it was going to be at least exciting so we were probably giddy last summer between that and the Gareth Bale news which also feels like another lifetime ago now that he's retired and there's been a World Cup and he's won a trophy with LA in that time and we did some predictions Ben Price has gladly and kindly gone through the predictions to show just how badly wrong we were on many counts. Um, ben, do you want to talk through your methodology for this? Yeah, so at the start of the season, we did four 
um, predictions. Each one of us did four predictions. Top scorer, disappointment, player of the season, and finish. Um, to say they were spectacularly wrong <laughs> is an understatement. Some of us did worse than others. Eric, yeah. How's it going, mate? Yeah. <laughs> um, but all in all, I think it's safe to say when it comes to football, the fact that a lot of people listen to this podcast and it's growing every week and we thank you. We do have to question what's wrong with you as much as what's wrong with us. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I'm going to save top scorer to last. I think it just sums up this season. Uh, we'll start with disappointment. Um, I went with disappointment would be Joe Rawls. Mm. Not too bad. Ben sort of saw like saw into the future. Abui Adams, I think that's a fair disappointment. Didn't play, was injured yeah. all year. Tore his peck so. off his bone in the second game he played. Freak injury. Um, Tom's was, we will tail off from a good position by, by the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did tail off from a good position from the first game of the season because we won and we were probably joint top then. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I think we'll go player of the season next. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I went with Wintle, start of the season. I thought I was bang on with that. And then, as we all know, he went from underrated to <laughs> underperforming. <Overrated. laughs> um, ben James, ambitious. Renamotta. Yeah, well, I like the look of him. I thought Reading fans were gutted to lose him. Look, my logic stands true. Tom, remain Sires. Yeah, great. I was half expecting you to say Fred West or something. How bad these are going so far? <laughs> I know, I'm yeah, saving the worst to last. <laughs> um, I think we'll finish. I think we'll go with the, the finish in the table. Go on. Let's I hear think it. This, is, this, this is what shows and what hurt the most about how this season's gone. How excited we all were for next year, for this season coming up. Like we were buzzing, like really excited since the most we were looking forward to it because we had nothing to play. Like there was no real expectations and like expectations. Sorry, and then like. That sign is quite famous. Our expectations were low, but holy fuck. This season yeah. is that sign. Uh, finish. I went 10th. Ben James, slightly more dour than me, went 11th. Both terrible predictions. Tom, plucky 8th. Yeah. Couldn't even make plucky 18th. Couldn't <laughs> get 18th. No, plucky 18th, no. But then I think the piece de resistance is, and this is where I did best, so I don't want to brag, but top scorer. Whoa. I went... I sort of <laughs> copped out a bit and went for a striker in on loan, and that proved to be right. And sorry, Cabba, which is a bit of a cop out, but I'll take it. <laughs> Boys, do you remember? I, I know who I, I know who I went for, and I, I at the time I still stand. I, no, I don't. Obviously, I don't stand by it, but my <laughs> logically, it was it was the right choice. But listen to not. him squirm. <laughs> I don't, I, it's fine. I don't claim to be a tactical <laughs> genius. <laughs> Go on. Say it. Both of you went for the one and only Max Waters. Yes. <laughs> Unbelievable predictions. Um, yeah. I then went through, we did league predictions on the Twitter account as well. Beautiful. Um, and I, what I did was sort of a roundup. I saw Smiv do it on YouTube a while back. You get a point for every position you're out for each team. So if that you predicted, say we predicted Burnley were would finish second, but they finished top, you get a point. Uh, I scored 112 points. Uh, ben James, 122. 
and Tom, you are 126. So 126 points out for every position in the league. Sounds fine. Did, did I'm looking at the tables now. Did any of us get any positions right? Surprisingly, even though Tom got the lowest points, he got the most predict place like places right. It's the other stuff he got horrifically wrong. That's the real quiz, isn't it? <laughs> we all we all had Reading to finish bottom. Yep. Um, I think the one t- Tom saved a lot of points with uh, Huddersfield finishing. I think you had them at eight. Had them at like eighteen. Yeah, not really finished. Yeah. So yeah, you got a few good ones. I think the one that killed you was predicting Burnley uh, QPR to finish fourth. Yeah, well, that was all right for a bit. Then <laughs> uh, is the one that killed you having Sunderland in 18th? Yeah, that didn't do me any favours either. Um, I'm looking at mine now and seeing if I got I, mine weren't. If I look, they're not they're not a million miles out for a lot of them. I think Blackburn being fourth was probably ambitious, but they did finish seventh or eighth. That's why I was surprised how high your points were because, like, you weren't too far off. But every, I think no. everyone was wrong. I'm a couple of I'm a, everyone's wrong, but I'm a couple of places out on each of them. Whereas I think yeah, I do think Tom got four places right, which is quite impressive. Because thank you very much. That many points as well. Um, ben, is there anything else on our predictions that you want to kind of rub in our face and make us look even more stupid than we already are? No, I, feel, I think let's just leave it there. We've we've humiliated ourselves enough. Um, Tom, does it show how excited we were last season and where it all went wrong? Yeah, and I know full well I'll do it again going into next season. This is what I do, and I'll go on Alternative Wales again, and I'll do it on two different podcasts, say we'll finish eighth. Like, I don't know. I just get so excited as soon as the season comes round. And I thought eighth was being a little bit conservative. I think if I'd gone with what I was actually thinking, I probably would have said fifth. So, uh, yeah, it's what football's all about, isn't it? Burnley in your prediction there. (laughs) (laughs) God. I don't know why I bother watching football. I don't have a clue. <laughs> don't know nothing about it, do we? <laughs> um, I mean, Ben, we we had four managers this season. So we'll start with Morrison. Um, and I think I've, I've got one question on kind of, well, apart from Whitehead, because he didn't really manage. He was just kind of there because no one else was. Um, the, the key thing that people point out about Morrison now is that his recruitment, the players he signed weren't up to scratch. Um, you know, I think a lot of people have been disappointed by the fact we we signed all these players. Some of them didn't perform to levels that we were expecting. Um, do you think that's true, or do you think there's some revision go, re- revisionism going on? Because Morrison signed these players, had a way to play with them, and they've gone through three managers since then, and it was just a fight to stay up at the end. Do you think this squad is still bad? I don't think the squad's bad. I just don't think it was the right squad. I think I, I still think he like the recruitment team, the situation they were in with little to no money and everything the club was sort of going through. To bring in 17 new players, I still think it's an impressive thing. You're gonna have some duds, you're gonna have some that go wrong. Um yeah, I I they, I've got a lot of criticism criticism for Morrison and sort of the way he was as a person, but sort of I can't fault his recruitment. It it the I was buzzing. I was really excited what he had. Everything sort of made sense when he did it. We were talking about how he sort of like looked at what was needed and brought players in. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's really harsh to pan his recruitment given everything the club sort of gone through. Um, Tom, do you think his real downfall, Morrison, was it was just wasn't signing a striker earlier? You know, he he. I understand why he persevered with Waters and stuck by his man and all that kind of stuff, but signing Robinson so late in the window. Yeah, maybe he didn't have the opportunity before, but it felt like that was a little too late for him, wasn't it? 
Maybe, but like there's a long time in the season to go still after that point. I think his downfall is the fact he's an arsehole. I think like the, the reason right. he got sacked. No, but, but honestly, though, isn't it? Like the reason he got sacked is nothing to do with what was going on in the field. It's just how he is off the field. He'd rubbed up people the wrong way within the club. And, you know, if the fans weren't getting on his back. He was getting on the fans' back, weirdly, in the odd press conference, stuff like that. And things weren't even going that badly, and his attitude started to turn already. So I think he was, he was, you know, the maker of his own no downfall at the end. Yeah, 100%. And I think he looked back at that as well. Actually, he probably won't. He won't. I'm not sure if he's got the self-awareness. Like, no. I think... I, it's one of those now where I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him as a manager in the UK again. Like... I don't know, it, it, it seemed to be an experiment that went wrong. You know, he thought it'd be someone who could kind of rally players, and he did to some extent. There were certain players that were really bought into him. I thought his actual managerial style in terms of on the field, we were we were doing some all right things. We got some good results, like yeah. away in Middlesbrough. That's a hell of a result. We, we nearly threw it away, but the way we started that game was fantastic. And we actually saw some flashes in the Morrison that we probably didn't show for the rest of the season. So he could have easily had the full season with us if he'd just used his head a little bit, but I think he was never going to do that with the character he is. No, he, um, he's impossible. He cannot use his head because he's thick. Um, ben, uh, moving on to Hudson. Um, frankly, the only question I have around Hudson is, was this where it all went wrong? Yeah, I think for the club. Yeah, and it kills me to say that because I love Huds. I'll say it every mm. time. Like, I think he was thrown under the bus. Oh, I'm, uh, yeah. I'm trying not. I'm not trying. To no, not up, but Yeah, it's just. Yeah. that's where it all unravelled, wasn't it? That is where the club dropped a massive bollock by again going down the cheap route and thinking it'll be okay. Um, yeah, he was the wrong bloke at the wrong time. I still think he might. I still think he's gonna be a successful coach somewhere. He's a really knowledgeable bloke, but yeah, there was the time to get a, like get someone with a bit more experience in that's actually managed a football team more than like five games. What? Was it five games for Huddersfield and they were already relegated? So yeah, like in different spells, yeah, I think he he did three as one in one caretaker spell and two in another. So like barely any managerial experience. And then he's coming into that the situation he got with Cardiff. It's, it was never going to work, and that was a horrific period where the club should have acted and didn't. And I think they got lucky with Lamucci sort of keeping us up. They've not had more grief than that. They probably should have. Um, yeah. You sort of, you still think back to how long it took to get Lamucci in. It was the right appointment, but Christ, it took a long time for him to come in. Um, ben, I'm going to ask you if, if it was a revolving door moment. Um, that means a sliding door moment. Um, but Ben got the phrase. Swinging wrong. door moment. Swinging door moment, sorry. Um, <clears throat> obviously, at that point, Rob Edwards had just, you know, had been sacked from Watford. He was without a job. Do you do you look back at that and go, I, you know, where, whichever way you want to view it, if Rob Edwards was a realistic opportunity or not, you know, he'd gone from Forest Green to Watford and all of a sudden he's out of a job and we, we're looking for a manager. How different do you think the season could have been if we'd got, you know, you see what he's done at Luton, he's taken him on to new heights. Do you, do you look at that and go, what could have been with Rob oh, Edwards? Massively, yeah. Massively. It was a just a massive opportunity. They were, it's not just him. There was quite a few solid managers available at that time that we could have gone for that could have prevented a lot more trouble and sort of got us higher up. Look at where Luton finished, man. And it, yeah. I know they were sort of on a good run anyway, but he, like you said, he's taken them up a level from what Nathan Jones was doing. Um, and for the club not even to consider him and sort of, they can say what they want, but at no point did they consider anyone but Hudson. There was no interviews. There was no sort of reaching out. Yeah. It was Hudson. They were just hoping it would 
shit would stick with Hudson needs to be able to stay to the end of the season. So yeah, it's a massive swinging doors moment. Um, and then Tom Lamucci came in in January. Um, he did what he had to do, right? Um, he's kept us up. He's you know in the frame for the managerial job. Um, you know, we will talk about what you know what's going on there in in the next bit. Um, any complaints about what happened under Lamucci? I wouldn't say there's complaints, but I wouldn't say I'm excited by any of it either. Like, there's that three-game spell where we get seven points from Watford, Stoke and Rotherham, and that's kept us up. And, you know, and, you know we've got the points at the time where we needed it. So I think that's where Lamucci gets a lot of credit, the fact that he rallied that squad and there was that kind of belief there to go on and get some results. And you can see there was a bit of heart there. But outside of that, there's the odd spl- like smattering of, a decent performance here and there, but it's still massively underwhelming. I think it, it's a hard one to judge because he's come in without a window to bring in his own players and has had to pick up the pieces of a squad who's seen three managers in less than a season. So it's it's a thankless task. Yes, keeping us up was the mission. Yes, people will say, you know, we only did it because of Red in getting deducted points. That's not necessarily the case because, you know, by the time we go around to the Huddersfield game, it's a different game and all that. But I'm finding it really hard to get excited. But at the same time, I still think he's the man for the job going forward. So to be honest, I, I it's a long long answer. I'm saying I don't have a clue what to think. I really don't have to clue. It's a really hard one to judge because it's been a mad season and it's been a fairly underwhelming ending. But is there, you know, we talk about Rob Edwards, we talk about managers who are available early in the season. Is there anyone else out there without a job, who you'd look at and go, I want them in as Cardiff manager, Tom? I think that's the key part is when you say without a job. And I think, yeah, no. we're not, not going to take conversation. Yeah, and I think, like, the candidates that were out there at the time, I think, like, Lamucci is a great appointment. You know, he's got experience at championship level. He was very, very close to getting Forrest into the playoff, you know, despite that capitulation in the, in the last game of the season. Um, so it felt like a shrewd sign-in, someone who could was a clear kind of philosophy of football. It's not pretty at times, but he, he won games when he needed to at Forest. So it, it felt like the ideal appointment. So I, I think recruitment-wise, that was the only sensible thing the board did all year. Um, right, Ben, let's look to the future. Um, you know, we've got a big summer ahead. Um, it, it starts now. Um, we're already talking about Lamucci, so let's talk about what's going on at the moment. Obviously, Tan was in London here for negotiations, all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of anxiety amongst the supporters that nothing's been announced yet. Um, it feels like we're going to at least make an offer for Lamucci. We're at least going to try and time down as the manager. Whether that's successful, I don't know. Um, are you nervous about the silence going on at the moment or are you just going with the flow? The way I always see it with this regime at Cardiff is no news is good news. Yeah. I'd, I'd rather not hear from them because when I do, it causes problems. <laughs> It's never anything positive or enjoyable. It's only when there's an agenda to push or there's issues. So, yeah, look, for now, just do what you need to in the background. Um, the issue is, really, Lamucci, we need him more than he needs us, is the big thing at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. He can quite comfortably walk away. His reputation has not been damaged at all by being at Cardiff, which is probably the first manager since, what, how many managers can say that leaving the club? Um, so, yeah. The silence, it's not a bad thing, it's not a good thing. Let's just wait and see how it plays out. Um, I'd be more concerned if the meetings came out and within 24 hours there was a statement saying Lamucci's not Lamucci's not having it, he's got he's gone. Because at least there's some positive, there's some constructive yeah. dialogue going on. 
Yeah, and I just think these things are like... Like I was talking about with a mate on my way back from football tonight. Um, there's like a football manager for football managerification of how people view negotiations. Like you click through it on a screen on football manager and someone goes, yeah, I'll sign it. But like there's two sides to this debate. There's two sides to the negotiation. There's going to be clauses, contracts. There's going to be assurances. There's going to be negotiations that need to happen before a contract is then taken away and checked by legals on both sides, legal agents, all that kind of stuff. Like, a negotiate, you know, yeah. Tan was in London for twenty four to forty eight hours, but that that isn't the end of it. They're talking other times. There are things like WhatsApp and phones. Um, yeah. It just feels like a, a lot of people have just gone. Oh, that's it. It hasn't happened in forty eight hours, so therefore it's got to be over. Like I, where I work, if I want a contract signed off, it takes me legitimately a month to do it because of legal checks. Like that's just the way it is. So I think the silence, to your point, Ben, is is good news. Um, but then the wider point, Ben, and I'll come to you, Tom, on this after I ask Ben. We talk about like the football board, Dalman, Chu, like what is their actual fucking roles if they're waiting for Tan to make the decision? At what point does Tan need to relinquish this ultimate control? Like it seems like the manager appointment wasn't his choice. It was Dalman and Chu who said we should appoint this man. Tan just ratified it. Now Tan has to be the one who agrees to the contract. Like it doesn't seem to, it, the whole thing just seems to be a complete fucking shit show. Which it feels like, you know, reason. when you've got like a great idea and work. And we've all sort of been in these jobs where you've got a great idea and everything sort of you've got to ratify it, but you've got to try and convince your boss that it's their idea before it gets approved. Yeah. That's what it feels like, everything with Vincent Tan. It's like the Lamucci thing. I bet like at some stage someone mentioned him a while back and he went afterwards, oh, I'm glad I thought of it. And, and they all go, yeah, that. great idea, boss. Yeah, just to get it <laughs> Another done. Another great idea um, from Vincent. Yeah, and yeah, look, I think... Look at the state of Tan's other clubs. He's trying to sell up in Belgium. The fans are like revolting there. They're not happy with him at all. Um, where's the other team? Sar- uh, Sarajevo, is it? Sarajevo. Yeah, they're not. I think they're in real shit. So like, it's not going well for him across all the clubs. So I think he's got to give it up at some stage and say, look, I'm happy to hand you the purse strings and sort of sign off the big, big decisions. But someone needs to take the day-to-day control of this because clearly no one is. There is no day-to-day management of this club, and it's been evident for a while. Tom, you know, we've talked about it ad nauseum on this podcast to the, the level of which the club is so badly run. Um, to, to, to Ben's point, does Tan need to relinquish ultimate control, and does he need to just put someone in there who knows how to run a football club? Look what Wrexham did. They got Sean Harvey in, who knows how to run a football club, and he's guided them through the ropes. Why haven't we done that after 12 years of his fucking ownership? Because it's... <sighs> It costs money. It takes football nous to apply, you know, to bring someone in with football nous. I think we you need to have the it. right people around you. Like, yeah, we, well, they've got his number. I, I don't yeah. know if I have, but um, no, I don't know. Like, it just feels like it's gone. It's a project's gone too far for him to turn around and admit he was wrong and bring someone in. Now it feels like some of it's a pride thing, and I think that's the most frustrating thing. Like, it hasn't been going right for a long, long time. And something's got to change, but it's not going to because yeah. that takes a bit of focus, a bit of effort, and he's clearly losing interest in football in general. Like you said, it's not just us, this is other clubs as well. So why is he going to pay that attention to bring someone in? I think he's just hoping for one lucky kind of fly up the table again and someone coming in and making an offer, but that's not going to happen, is it? So I don't know. It's, it is worrying times, and I, I don't see any of it changing over the summer. Really, you know, why would Dalman and Chu walk away from this? They're making an absolute fortune, 
from doing well, absolutely sweet FA. So they're not going to leave anytime soon. Million quid. He, he's got money, you know, stuck in the club that he can't get out. Yeah, exactly. So what hope have we got in that respect? Um, and to that point, Ben, we had the squad overhaul last summer. We're already talking about transfers and, you know, what, what Hulamucci brings in, all that kind of stuff. Um, where do you see the squad going this summer? I, I don't think it needs a big overhaul, but we're going to be losing Kipre. We're going to be losing Cabo. We're going to be losing Philogene. There's the prospect of people like Sang, people like Mark Harris potentially going, obviously, depending on contract signing. It feels like we're going to have to be plugging gaps again, doesn't it? With loanies, with free, free transfers, whoever it may be, because we still got an embargo. Yeah, look, we've already lost Gavin White, and I don't know how we're going to like overcome that obstacle. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, I, I don't. There's so many people saying like we need another twelve players, blah blah. I don't think we do. It just needs to be sensible, quality additions that add something, like a couple of first teams, a solid spine, and just a bit of character in there. Like there's players on a free, there's stuff that can be worked and sort of bring it in line. I don't think like we said earlier with uh, Morrison's sort of transfer strategy. I don't think it's a bad squad at all. I just don't think it's being used to its best capabilities. I don't think the players are playing to their maximum abilities. It's just solid additions. It needs strategy. It needs a lot of thought and it needs the right people in the right place. It doesn't need a massive overhaul again. Tom, what, what's, top of, what's top of your shopping list um, this summer? Um, barbecue? <laughs> I think like we need a couple of old heads in. I think we missed that throughout the season, right? I've said this before. Like we need some experienced players there. I think one in the middle of the park would be ideal, and I, we need some centre halves. But then I don't think there's any harm then looking in you know divisions below people who are after contracts who are probably playing who are better than the level they've been playing at. There'll be some about. I know we've seen the likes of like Regan Pool and stuff being mentioned. You know that sort of ilk. There's nothing wrong with that. You know we we can't be too proud to go fishing in the lower leagues, and we haven't been in the past. So I think that's what we need to do because. It's just that that blend of youth and experience. We've got a lot of youth there. And even the players I thought were experienced this year, like Keeper and stuff, were still in their early and mid-20s. You know, we've got the likes of Keon Atate, who's 20, 20, 21. Like, I keep forgetting how young some of these players are. And there's more to come. Callum Robinson's only about 27, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Callum O'Dowder is like 27 around that area as well. Yeah. Like, you've got Romeo as well, who's like 26. Like, they're not old players. There's plenty left in the players we've got. We just need some older heads around them and then more more of that, you know, capability that age to come in. And like you said, we, we brought in the 17 players last summer, so we don't need to be doing that again. We just need a few quality additions to add and bolster that squad because we're looking a bit thin. Um, ben, do you have any idea what's going on with the embargo? Um, we're desperately trying to get out of it and wiggle out of it while also causing further shitstorms elsewhere. Um, it's all just, it's again, it's another mess, really, isn't it? I don't think the club really know. Um, my gut feeling is we're going to stay in this embargo for 12 months. I think it's two more windows we've got to do. It's this summer, that, January, I think, isn't it? Isn't yeah, I just windows. think the EFL have gone, these are the rules, you're stuck to them, and it is what it um, is. Yeah, so today's development, obviously, um, you know, if you don't read the French press, uh, Le Quipe have re- reported that we are now suing Nantes for 110 million euros um, on the logic that, uh, let me find the news report quickly, um, we claim that based on our analysis of expected goals and expected points, Salah's arrival would have given us the two points necessary to keep the club in the Premier League for at least another season. We're obviously suing the hunt for 110 million pounds in terms of lost revenue, reputational damage, Um you know, but 
we've talked about this. Like, I, 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 the Salah thing makes me feel so uneasy for for so many reasons. But it's really starting to, sh- you know, it's it's becoming a byword for the grubby nature of football, isn't it? I was t- again walking down the road earlier today, and I was talking about, um, the, I was talking with a couple of mates about the case, and they're like, "Well, who's at fault?" And I was like, "Every fucker involved is at fault. None are involved uh, at fault for using McKay. We're at fault." for having McKay's kids playing in our reserve teams just so we could get access to Mackay. We're then at fault for not putting him on the right plane. You know, I know we offered it and all that kind of stuff, but ultimately we should have been more forceful about that. We're then at fault for trying to sue everybody involved. Nons are at fault for trying to claim the money as soon as possible and basically putting their hands up and saying, um, you know, we, we were nothing involved here. Now we're, you know, every fucking court case we've been involved in with this, we've lost. So what hope do? How much money are we spending on this to effectively? You know, we we can have a grievance. I I people will say we have the right to have a grievance, and we do. There is a grievance here to be had. We signed a player who, you know, tragically passed away on his way to the club, and that's like something that's never happened before. But we need to cut our losses at some point, don't we, Ben? And just I just don't know what the end point is. I genuinely think suing. the issue is we're in too deep, aren't we? Yeah. Um, it's it's a case same with Tan with sort of everything going on as far as the club itself with this situation we're so in so far over our heads that we have to find a way for someone else to foot this bill we need to recoup that revenue because the club can't afford to we're hundred and something million pounds in debt admittedly most of it's to Tan so it's right it, it, it's not like a precarious debt like some other clubs are in but yeah I think that's I think part of it is just purely that it's really complicated, and you sort of see people saying it's black. It's Cardiff killed him. He's he's their response, or Cardiff aren't responsible. It's not black and white. There's no. It's so murky and complicated, much like a lot of the football world. It's so dark and horrible. But the irony is, like the first thing mentioned in that sort of like when they're suing him is reputational damage. That's the bit that really confused me. Like you're going after someone for reputational damage without considering the damage this is doing to your reputation anyway. Well, the, the, for me, the reputational damage comes, and, and Tom, I'll let you, you cut in here. As someone who works in PR for a day-to-day living, like the, the activities we've gone about with this and the way we've we've acted throughout this is what's causing us the reputational damage. It's not, you know, I, I again, I understand the grievances, but we're so bullshit about this and we've been so quick to forget the, per, you know, at the start, it was about Salah. It was about the person who was involved in this. We're so far gone from that now. That, that, that Salah isn't a byword for for the person and striker that, that we signed. It's it's become the all encompassing word for how horrible this case has become, and it's it's the Salah problem basically for the club, and that's where the reputational damage comes from. It doesn't come from the fact we might have a grievance and that we have a right to sue people. It comes from the way we've gone about it. And Tom, you can cut in now. Yeah, I think look, we we are causing ourselves reputational damage, and I think if I try and put the club's hat on for it for a second here, I kind of get where they're coming from in terms of the amount of people who are saying it's completely our fault and, you know, everything is down to us. It's our fault. This all happened. That isn't true. And and that is causing us reputational yeah. damage as well. It's not the worst of it, but it is adding to it. And the problem is you take emotion out of this, which you shouldn't do because you can't take it out of it, but the club are trying to, you know, I can. I. That's why the club are going after it. These people are rich because they always take emotion out of these situations. You yeah. don't get the amount of money these people have got without being a, a complete bastard at times, and that's what they, they are treating this completely as business. 
And as fans, that's really hard to understand because a man has tragically lost his life here. But they're trying not to think about that. And that's the problem, right? They're never going to go. We haven't got enough money in the bank for us to go, look, this is causing us damage. We're going to step away. So this is going to go on and on and on. And we're going we're to be speaking about this in four or five seasons' time. This isn't going to go away quickly. And, when, um, you know, we could win a case, but we're not going to get our money, like, in the next couple of seasons if we did. I don't think we will, but we could win it. But then it's, there's going to be a counter case again. And this is going to roll on and on and on. And in the end, it's going to be so far removed from the incident that happened that you just become numb to it. You see it in the news all the time with stuff around, like, Ukraine war, for example, or famines in Africa and things like that. You see so much of it, you become numb to it. And you can already see that in our fan base. Yeah. You know, we you know it's people are sending like money gifts out there and stuff like that. It, it's madness, really. It's so distasteful, and yeah, our club are, are adding to that. I'm so annoyed now. At first, I kind of felt sorry for them, but I really don't at all now. I don't feel. Sorry I think, for like you said, everyone involved in this case has got fault in this, and it's becoming more and more disgusting as it rolls on. What I what I will say about the Burnley game, and one bit I do remember from the Burnley game, was it the first time in a long time I heard the Salah chant that we sing a song for Salah. Like yeah. I've, done, I've been at so many away games in the last couple of seasons where we seem to have forgotten about that and we don't sing it. And at Burnley, we sang it. And I think, uh, you know, I, I, if, I, I, it's just, it just, it's so, it's just so horrible. I think some of that's out of embarrassment, though. I think some people would feel, I think so, a little bit, a little bit uneasy singing that with with with, with the way the club are acting. I think I, I feel a little bit uneasy singing about that. Yeah. Saying, you know, we will never let you go and all that. The only thing we're not letting go is a fucking claim to money. It's it's you know it's so distasteful. I I feel really really uncomfortable singing it in the in the ground. Yeah, I agree. Um, there's no easy way to kind of end this segment uh, and and move on to the next thing. But I think I'd always just urge people to remember the human at the 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 the, the uh, uh, you know at the root of all this. You know he. He was a striker trying to fill his dream and come to the Premier League, and he was shoddily treated by everybody around him and shoved on a plane that he didn't want to go on. So, I just want—I just think people need to remember. You know, it's—it's it's become so tribal when we talk about Salah. You know, people go, people don't know what they're talking about. All these other fans need to—it's—it's not—it's not—it's not a football fan thing. It's not like oh, we beat you two one last week, we can beat you over the head with it. You can't use it. You can't use this as as a, as a thing to gloat over and this is a thing to brag about. That's what I would say. And I think that's what a lot of fans need to take from this and understand that it's it's just it's it's completely unheard of in football. And I think it's just so tragic. And um, I just that's what it always comes down to for me. Um, you know, Ben, I think again, like hard to move on from that, but looking ahead to next season, um, you know, we can have all these grand ideas about what we're gonna do as a football club and, and where we're gonna go. But frankly, what does success look like next season? After the disaster of this season, what does success look like for you? I'd be honest, mid-table mediocrity with us not appearing in the press would be a fucking dream. be lovely, wouldn't it? Start the season with the same manager, uh, end the season with the same manager we start with, and just plod along mid-table, just that's all I want. Just a quiet, not like a boring season, but like we look all right, we challenge in a couple of games and sort of just get along with ourselves, sort of just do a normal season. Um. Tom, does the, the league shaping up to look really tough, isn't it? Yeah, it's frightening. There's some real, real big clubs coming from both both sides there, coming up, coming down. And yeah, it's looking... I think this season, we were very, very far down in quite a poor league. 
where next season it feels like it's not going to be quite as poor. There's there's some real big hitters coming in there. So yeah, I think success for me would be well survival to be honest with you. But I'd like it to be a little bit more comfortable. So yeah, mid table. Wouldn't mind fifth round of the FA Cup, win a couple of games in the cup, give a bit of a feel good factor. Beating Swansea once or not losing? Oh, would be quite that'd nice. be silly, man. But that'd yeah, silly. yeah. But like, I think Ben's the nail on the head around the staying out of the news bit. It's not going to happen, but that would be great, right? It'd be lovely to speak on this podcast about football and nonsense, not any serious topics, really. But yeah, well, we'll see what happens when the season comes around. Um. Yeah. I mean, for me, I just want a sense of fun back in football. I think, you know, we, we've come on this podcast, we've done about 40 episodes this season, and I can't remember an episode where we've been able just to get through it and talk about good things, apart from maybe the first episode where we were excited and giddy. Like most weeks, there's just been something depressing to mull over. I think if you get to mid-season, four or five of the episodes could all be encapsulated into one because we talked about the same thing on a weekly basis. The club's badly run. We haven't got a manager. We're playing terrible football. Um so I would just like that back into it. A sense of fun into proceedings. FA Cup run, lovely. I even want like a non-league trip. I want a third round non-league trip in the FA Cup. Someone like Chase Town again. Let's go back to our roots. I tell you what though, like someone mentioning that we're playing Bristol Rovers pre-season. I went from going, I, I don't have to think about Cardiff for a while. You know, I'm bored of it. To instantly being sucked right back in going, God, wouldn't it be good to play Bristol Rovers pre-season? And instantly excited again. So that, that's going to be carnage. <laughs> yeah fun though but yeah <laughs> like I, I don't know if there's any truth in it but it seems to be like a fairly substantial rumour doesn't it so it would seem it like a from, bad thing to do it came from the Bristol reporter for one of the Bristol news outlets who um, is is from Cardiff so uh, maybe he's got the, the links there um, we've, we've done it before for sort of those sort of things and like it tends to be Bristol Rovers hate us a lot more. Like it's sort of like the Newport rivalry, is that they're literally nothing. Yeah, it's just it's just a local game to us. Like it's just it's a game that's twenty minutes from my house. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'm not even. I can't believe you're there already, Tom. Because I've turned off notifications for the club for everything. I don't want to hear from them. I've muted them. I don't want to hear from them. I don't want to think about them for a little bit. I need. I need a break from them. I'm genuinely because like we, you think about it, like since COVID, we haven't really had like a break from football for two and a half, three years. This, no, because obviously the all the seasons overran, didn't they, and um, knocked into one. Uh, I mean, you basically got six weeks until preseason starts again. I've, I, a lot of non-league clubs are starting their preseasons on the first of July, so we'll be back in training at the end of June. Um, on Wales, July. Wales, 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 Wales is always a nice break, though, and it? it's sort of that sort that's that's sort of what kept me in love with football a bit the last few years is just that enjoyment from Wales, <laughs> because like you said, like you Bennett nail on the head, just wanted to be fun again. There, it's, it's that'd be nice. Fun. So Wales is fun. It's frustrating at times, but it's fun. But yeah, Cardiff City right now, I'm just push it away. Just stay away for a bit and just. Yeah, I'll, we'll we'll chat again soon. Until the retained list comes out. Yeah, <laughs> and then you have to engage with it. Then Mark, not uh, cry. Yeah, the, the, what will happen to the Mark Harris fan club then? Uh, I'm Blackburn got pods, didn't they? Sounds like he's like <laughs> <spend off soap>. <laughs> <laughs> no man. After the grief I've given that place, what Blackburn? No Stoke. If he goes to oh, Stoke. Stoke. 
I think he's staying. I think he's staying because we can't not afford to keep him. We can't. We can't at this stage. We can't not afford to keep a player who's played some games in the championship because we're going to be under an embargo. We can't sign anyone else. Well, Lamucci's comments about him were quite interesting. One day he was saying how he wants to work with him. He sees something in there. Yeah, which is the exact opposite to the video evidence of him going. Uh, you've got a problem with scoring, haven't you? Or something. Was yeah, it when you were doing that shooting drill? Yeah, but he also said Gavin White was good. And then look what's happened to him. He, he's good at like, you know, kind of trying to bolster their egos. He also said about Joel Baker as well, didn't he? Like, yeah, he did. we'll see what happens there. So I think Lamucci's a liar, the more I think about it. Lai he's Lai an Lai absolute Lai. fraud. Lai <laughs> Uh, right, for one last time, let's go to twitter.com, twitter forward slash Indian. Mental to think that by the time next season rolls around, Twitter could have burnt to the ground completely. Um, Gareth Dunning, same as most people. Glad it's over and I'm always ready for a timeout, but even more so this season. Looking forward to barbecues and more barbecues. He didn't have this question in, Ben, but I bet you have something mental on your hot dog, like mayonnaise. Um, I've put Perry mayo on there before. Perry mayo, I will, I will accept because it's, you know. But no, I, I like the classic. I like the classic, you know, onions, mustard, and ketchup hot dog. All right, and smothered in barbecue you, sauce. Kebab, yeah. Tom, <laughs> well, the hot dog. My my yeah. favorite was the the Boston hot dog from Rollover, the one I was in Bridgend in MacArthur Glen, which was like bacon, cheese, and then I think it was like barbecue sauce on it. But I did have a hot dog with popping candy on it once. Um, That's weird. Oh, yeah, what well, ketchup and barbecue sauce and the kebab was the problem when he's eating that shit. Christ, he's I didn't say it was. Here, he? Didn't say it was good, did I? Just saying, I've had it. It wasn't our choice. Uh, people in the Twitter comments can come back on that one. Uh, Nathan Davis, as it's the last pod of the season, has Tom finally caved into the public demand by wearing shin pads and kit for this recording? Um, we talked about this off air. Tom, do you want to go through what you're wearing? I am actually wearing the pink shirt with the pink shorts. Um, and I, I couldn't find my shin pads, so I'm one step away from putting some like cardboard down there just for the look at the moment. So if, uh, if that's, is that good enough? Sunday league. Yeah, I think yeah. I, yeah, Sunday league football kit. I'm wearing full kit. I am wearing shin pads because I came straight back from playing five aside to record this. Grip socks, sock sleeve, shin pads, uh, Under Armour, um, no GPS vest. Um, I went bottom to top there. I think that's the cops way of doing it. Uh, from throwing fits if anyone listens to that podcast uh ben shin pads for you or uh no i'm not wearing any socks anything on my legs at all i've got shorts a vest <laughs> on, on your legs at all wow that's quite an image jersey. for the listeners <laughs> yeah. I, I think the basketball jersey is just as dodgy to be honest but i've, got, but I've got a hoodie on to cover why is the basketball j- the jersey dodgy well it's just a bit weird isn't it? if i was on basically on like Streamyard to you and tom in just a vest Oh, I see. Yeah, got it. Makes sense. Um, yeah, just a vest and no shorts. Oliver Reese, a mate stag doing Benidorm next week, a potential last minute trip to Turkey to watch Rob Page Silky Reds. Just not enjoying, just enjoying not having my weekends ruined in Cardiff, but in a more serious debate, which flavour of crisps are your favourite and what flavour can get in the bin? This is what the people came for, Ben. I would guess that you're a classic salt and vinegar man, Ben. Love a salt and vinegar. You're not wrong. Um, nice and sp- sp- spicy crisps as well, man. The, what um, flavour can get in the bin? Cheese and onion. Oh, what? Oh, like oh, in the pod. <laughs> Happy step, Tom. Go on. This is the end. I'm not sure if there is a bad crisp. I, I, I think crisps are my absolute downfall. I could eat crisps for every meal. 
I, I, if I could lick, if I could liquidize it, I could liquidize it. I drink it for all my drinks as well. I yeah, absolutely love crisps. Yeah, I might make some crisps in the air fryer later. Quite excited about that now. But like What's the cheese and onion. Flavor? I mean, I go through phases. Like there's some really good cheese and onion ones with the Tesco like finest ones, the Tory crisp range. Some of them are quite nice. Um, but I, I, I do like, I do like a Worcestershire sauce. Yeah. Um, the, um, I, what this this thin long ones? French fries. No. Oh. Yeah, I was like Pringles. I I had no idea what you're you're thinking about. French fries, yeah, classic. Um, What about your knickknacks? Your spicy your quarterbacks. Where do they fit factor into your crisp rankings? I do like knickknacks. Don't partridge, isn't it? I could speak about crisps for days. Honestly, we should have just done that this season, to be honest, because I get I'm much more enjoying the crisp pile. Um, Ben, as a salt and vinegar fan. Where where the discos come into it because they're the kind of salt and vinegar crisps that almost burn the roof of your mouth. They're elite because they make you they, like you know something your crisps are good if your lips have gone blue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like, it's like Walk- eating a lemon. You're like, yeah, like Walker's Max. Like they used to have a salt and vinegar range. I'm pretty sure they had to take them off the shelves because the salt content was too high. So like that sort of thing is like where it's at. Like yeah, if if you if you're looking half dead from like if you, you can feel your heart pumping. Because the salt content's that high, you know it's a good crisp. Chipsticks. Yes. That's top. What about a Roysters, Tom? A Roysters T-bone steak? Oh, Belters. I think they were the ones that would only pop up every now and again in the shop. So I get excited about the T-bone steaks. You know, you know the Seabrooks as well, but they seem to be quite prevalent at the moment. But like growing up, there's, um, was it Petrified Prawns? The little prawn yeah. balls you get at the, like, the local cricket club or something. Oh god, I'm getting excited. I'm gonna to have to go to the shop and buy crisps after this. They also underrated pop chips. Well, I like a pop chip, but I solid solid crisp, but they're yeah, a solid crisp, I, but I think the my problem with them is is that if you buy a big bag, you get even less for your money than you do with other crisp brands because the bag is half empty and they're like really low calorie already. So like you're basically eating air for a lot of the time. Yeah, if I'm getting pop chips, I'm getting a tub of Philadelphia and eating the whole of that with it. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is going to get me grief. But um, I sat here we go in eating pop chips, uh, salt and vinegar pop chips, and using it as a dish for sriracha sauce. Oh, nice! Oh, it's amazing. It's like a little tell you what, go, tell you what goes well with salt and vinegar crisps: creme fraiche. Little bit of creme fraiche, dip your, dip your yeah. crisps into creme fraiche, delicious. Oh, you've lo- you lost me now. Yeah, you've gone there. <laughs> Sorry, I went too far. Uh, the common bluebird, after yet another season of decline with another another relegation fight looking lively, what do people think I should call our new puppy? I mean, it's such a cute puppy that I wouldn't, it, it's a female puppy. Can we think of a kind of city name that would, um, you know, Huds? Does that work? What was Bartley's wife called? The old alien? Mrs. Looking- Bartley. Mrs. Bluebird. I can't remember what she was called. Brenda? I don't know. <laughs> Brenda. <laughs> Brenda and Bartley. Go on, Tom. I don't know, because there's a lot of gay, like a lot of like names that can you know you could call girls and boys. Something like Eddie. You know, you got yeah. Eddie Johnson, Eddie May, you know. I reckon Eddie. That's what I'm going for. All right, we'll go with Eddie for the common bluebird's very sweet new puppy. Um I would guess it's a almost like a cockapoodle. 
uh, which are adorable. Uh, Dylan Owen says, looking forward to seeing him again. And it's Jamalou Collins, call me commander. Um, Diff MJ, I'd love to say I'm excited. Sabri and Sol bring in some European signings. Style a bit more watchable and a less chaotic season. But given the way the first week has gone post-season, it feels like more, more of the same. And Joe Bennett, do me a favour. Tom, we haven't really talked about Joe Bennett. Do you think he was just at the stadium taking advantage of the end-of-season sale? 100%. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to get some match one shorts from his favourite players. Um, he's definitely just down there just saying hello to people, isn't he? <laughs> like, and everyone's just going wild. There's no way he's down there for us. Would he only know Joe Rolls, though? You know everyone who works at the club as well, I suppose. He, he's probably got... Like he's probably got like friends and family living down in the area. He's done that just to wind people up. If he was actually signing, he wouldn't be putting a picture up outside before he did it, would he? No. Ben, do you think he's signing? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, it's no. just, yeah, it's just a red herring. It's just did it for a laugh, did it for a reaction and got exactly what you wanted. He kept being put in like the worst team of the year, didn't he? And all like on the stats and things like that. He was like, or worst team of the week and things like that. He, didn't he have an absolute stinker? Wigan fans hate him. They, yeah. yeah. He barely, I think he barely played the second half of the season, though. He was injured for a bit, and then obviously Wigan, as a as a club, kind of fell apart, and I just don't think he was involved. Um, Amatiu Fool says, not watching Cardiff City play for a few months, um, and then Forever Blue 86 probably sums it up quite nicely. Going to enjoy my budgie smugglers in Benidorm on my stag weekend, knowing City is shit, but I will still be there in August, fucking moaning about how shit they still are. And that sums it up, really, doesn't it? Um, you know, we've done almost 40 episodes of this this season and I don't think any of them have been particularly enjoyable, but you've all listened for some reason. Um, so thank you very much for coming along the ride with us. Um, we'll be back next season uh, because of course we fucking will. What else are we going to do? Um, <laughs> we're all in this thing together. Um, so I just say thank you. You know, probably the, the, the best way to end the pod is by saying thank you to everyone who's listened. I think... We've seen our audience grow massively this year, which has been insane to watch. We've even got fans from Plymouth who we'll see next season. Aaron Hocking, shout out to you. Um, but we've had so many Cardiff fans and the, the reaction to us, weirdly, people recognise us now at games and things like that, which is absolutely baffling. They recognise our voices more than they recognise our faces. Um, but it's absolutely baffling, but also quite touching to us so thank you to everyone who said hello thank you to everyone who's listened and got involved on twitter thank you to our sponsors terrace badger for getting on board thank you to um sports social for um getting involved in their network um thank you to everybody who's said nice things to us on twitter tom is there any thank yous you want to say yeah i want to say thank you to the listeners we've had in ghana uh, in tanzania that have come up in the charts um say hello you know who you are um <laughs> but no it's been great I've really enjoyed it. I know you keep saying like uh, we, we've hardly enjoyed it but I enjoy even when the it's club therapy. is shit yeah it's a weird source of therapy and it's really nice speaking to other fans about it all and even if I am getting abuse for not wearing a full kit it's great to like have a chat with people at games and stuff so I'm, I'm, I'm already slightly looking forward to next season I'm not quite fully there yet but I will be absolutely rearing to go by the beginning of next season Ben over to you Pff, got nothing no, yeah. um, <laughs> generally, like this week, like the one bit of the most enjoyable bit this season has been doing this podcast and sort of everything with it. Like getting signed this year. Like I know it's it's been your baby for a long time, Ben. But yeah, look, I've been doing this two and a bit, three years now. It's been a long time, and this is the most success and genuinely the most fun I've had doing it. So yeah, cheers to everyone for listening. Really, is the main thing. Yeah, it is quite mental to think that this has been going 
it was 2010, I think me and Adam Davis started this um, just because we had access to a studio and we liked talking shit about Cardiff City. And 12 years later, we're still going and we're bigger than we've ever been. So that is genuinely really nice. So I'd say thank you to you boys for getting involved. This is all getting very nice, isn't it? Um, I'm self-indulgent now. Weird. Get involved on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash VFTNinion. You can give us some money, kofi.com forward slash VFTNinion. Use the terrorist badger code VFTN20 for a little bit longer um, until the season ends. Um, and that's about it. We will be back at some points over the summer. You know, we've got retained lists to come out. We're working on some player interviews. We'll get involved with those. Um, so you won't be away from us for too long. But genuinely, thank you once again for everything this season, for all your listens, for getting involved with us. And we'll be back next season. They may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty But they like to talk about Cardiff City It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny And not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny Sports Social Podcast Network